Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I have Dennis Bitoko with me today. He is the publisher and editor-in-chief of Biscatalyst360.com. This is an award-winning business, culture, and lifestyle digest serving as the global hub for enhanced performance and well-being. What uh, Dennis is doing, it's amazing because he's really reimagining the well-being and creating a writer's paradise. Hello, Dennis, and welcome to Back to Basics. Oh, hi, Leticia. Thank you for welcoming me. I look forward to our chat today. Likewise, likewise. Well, I, I, I definitely want to listen about your own journey, but I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I became aware of uh, Beast Catalyst through some of your fellow, of your writers and, and, and the blogs they post. And, and I said, wow, they have, they have something very special going on here. So I definitely want you to tell us more about it and, and how it came to be. Sure. Well, thank you for that. I'll give you the high level view and then we can drill down if you'd like to get more detail, but we've been around now almost 10 years. And uh, let, let me tell you what makes us different. Uh, we're, we're not just another website. And frankly, we're not just one website, which a lot of people don't know. But we started almost 10 years ago with a, a different kind of a vision. Uh, in my background, I traveled the world a lot. I was involved in international banking, mergers and acquisitions. And I did a lot of research. I was a consultant for a while. And one of my frustrations in business Letitia, was um, using the internet and trying to research things, not just about business, but at the time it was primarily about business and trying to find good information, current information, and information that I could use to take action with. And eventually I would find it when I was researching, but I literally went to, you know, maybe a couple dozen websites. I was always frustrated either with the website speed or the pop-ups coming in my face. And so when I finally got out of the normal business, sold everything, settled down, uh, my wife and I got together. She was also involved in business around the world. And we said, you know, we're very blessed. We get the opportunity to technically retire at a relatively young age because we've had a fair amount of success. So we want to do a, a number of things with that success. There are two other things we decided to do. But the first thing we did was launch Biscatalyst Free City. The vision was quite simple. We wanted to go to a website. I'm sorry, we wanted a website that was built for the users, not by technicians, which means we wanted to build it ourselves. And number two, we wanted it to be the kind of site that we wouldn't mind waking up to every morning and visiting, like you would read the morning newspaper or you would go somewhere. So we wanted to make it very user friendly. We did some things that some people said were just nuts. We We've never had any advertising on our site. You won't find any ads. We're blessed that the site has never been about economics or making money. It was more about building 
the best mountain we could build and that went to our writers. So our theory was, let's just make it the best opportunity for writers to share their wisdom. And it doesn't matter what their wisdom is. It could be business. It could be life. It could be culture. It could be poetry. It can be podcasts. It can be videos. More recently, we launched a channel that focused entirely on music. So over the years, we just keep responding to, number one, our writers and what they would like to write about. And our audience, which last year was over 2 million visitors, uh, as you mentioned, we won an, we, we've actually won two awards now over, the, over a lot of years. And when it came to our writers, we started by going out to our writers and saying, look, here's what we're doing. Talk to us about some of the other websites that you write for and tell us where the pain points are or where the frustration is. And these are people that would write for Forbes or Huffington Post or you name it. And we kept hearing back, look, and these are people that are experienced writers. They said, they said, we're always restricted as to what the subject matter can be. We're restricted to how many words. We're re required to submit so many articles a month. And we just went down the list. And we said, well, we're going to take all of that away. So if you write for us, it, you write as often as you want about whatever you want, as long as it's not breaking news. We don't do breaking news. There's no word count. If it's 10 words or if it's 2,000 words, let us worry about that. If it's poetry, if it's, again, a recording. And what we wanted our writers, we wanted to be able to say, if you were a writer for us, Leticia, we would say, Leticia, we've taken away all the pain now. Spread your wings and write. And when you're done writing, unlike other websites, just send it to us. And we'll do the final editing in terms of grammar and composition. We'll find the best uh, picture out there we can attach to it. It's best image. We'll publish it. And then we're going to do something else no other publisher does. We're going to share it for you across all of social media. Then we're going to give you the link and say, now you share it with your audience because your audience is different than our audience. And the final thing we did, which we never knew how powerful it would be. Again, something the other writers told us early in the game. They said, you know, we do a lot of writing, Dennis. And once we write it and it gets published, first of all, it takes six weeks to get through. In our case, we typically publish. If you send us a brand new article today, it'll probably be published by tomorrow. We're quick. But their frustration was they do a lot of writing. And over the years, they have this giant archive sitting out there on the Internet. Maybe they've shared it on Facebook. Maybe they've shared it on LinkedIn. But after about two weeks, it kind of dies on the vein. And then they have to write something new. So we said. We're going to share, we're going to reshare, I'm sorry, republish things you've already written. As long as you, Leticia, if you're a writer, as long as you're comfortable, it's still current, it's still relevant, and it represents you well. Why shouldn't you get more mileage out of that wisdom? Because much of what we publish, you know, five years later, it's still current because it's not date sensitive. Little point, you'll never find a date on our website because we don't publish things that go stale. So we took away all the restrictions, you know, uncuffed their hands. And here it is again, almost 10 years later, we've got about 800 writers. We're on every continent. We've published about 24,000 articles. We're very dominant on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and all the rest. And we're just having a great time with it. So that's the kind of the high level of how we got here. We've gone farther than that, but I don't want to dominate that answer with too much. <laughs> no, I, I love it that you dominate. And people listening to this, they probably already noticed that I'm going around this interview completely different than normal. 
uh, because <laughs> I, I, I will get to your beginning and your childhood, but I think that it was so important that they heard uh, from you at the beginning of the interview what you're trying to do because it's really fascinating and 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 there's so much I heard already that I want to ask about. But <laughs> I know that the let's say the slogan that I guess you and your wife chose that day when you say let's do this. Your slogan is 360 Nation Humanity Rediscovered." That's a big one. Yes. That's a big one. Well- that's the, actually the evolution of what we do. We started out, when I said earlier, we're, we're not just one website. That's what I meant. We started with BizCatalyst, but we've learned so much over the years that, you know, we, we've, we're blessed, Leticia. We have this massive platform. We've got this massive um, microphone, if you will. We can spread a lot of good information around the world. So we revisited our whole ethos some years back and said, wait a minute. You know, we're doing more than just sharing articles. We're sharing good news. We're focused on humanity. And there was something else we decided to do years ago that I have to bring up because it folds into the answer. Some years back, we said, you know, the, when we were deciding what we wanted to do with our time and we decided to launch Biz Catalyst, we also decided a few years later uh, that we wanted to do a lot more when it comes to helping nonprofits around the world. In our personal time, we do a lot of volunteering. We deliver meals. We've always had an affinity for that. So we said, why don't we find a way to use this massive website and our presence to help nonprofits? So we launched another website, and this is talked about on our Biz Catalyst page, but it's called GoodWorks 360. A lot of people don't know about it, Leticia, because it is entirely dedicated to providing free consulting services to good nonprofits anywhere in the world. It's been up and running now a couple of years. We've got about four dozen uh, top tier people like you that have volunteered to help us virtually. So if we have a, and we've actually had a Meals on Wheels operation in Mumbai, India that needed help, everything we do is either by Zoom, by text, by um, email, it's all virtual. Because what we heard from the people that offered to help us, and these are experts in all kinds of businesses, Dennis, we don't have the time to join boards of nonprofits like I've done. We don't have the time to deliver meals, but we do have time in our diary or our calendar that we can donate each week because we would love to give back and we'd like to do it through you. And that's how we ended up with getting four dozen volunteers. So we have the spreadsheet now covering every segment of a small business and nonprofits are primarily small businesses. They do all the same thing, sales, marketing, operations, human resources. So we are engaged with a number of nonprofits over the last couple of years to help them virtually uh, do things that they couldn't do without us. And again, the most important thing is there's never an invoice. It's all free of charge. So we were doing that. So now we've got this biz catalyst thing. And again, none of these are done for profit. We do what we call for good. Mm-hmm. And then we started down the path of developing our humanity ethos. And we finally said, because people were, I shouldn't say they were confused. They couldn't figure us out, frankly, the teachers. So a few years back, we said, all right, we're going to develop an overall umbrella brand for what we do. So if I say to Leticia, just go to bizcatalyst360.com slash 360 nation. That will give you a complete definition of everything we do. Uh, we've got the good works in there. We've got the website. We just last year launched 360 Nation Studios, and we're now producing giant 
Well, we did our first one at the end of the year, but a giant video production, eight hours long that we shared at the end of the year. We launched a music channel, but everything we do and why we do it is all now defined under the 360 Nation Humanity Rediscovered page, because then we've got other things. We've got web web events. We do a weekly friendship bench call, which are for people that want to come chat for an hour about pretty much anything. We do a quarterly more deep dive call. Today, we've got a session at uh, 12 o'clock where it's, it's called Synopsis 360, where books are being reviewed. So it goes on and on and on, but everything is under that umbrella of let's rediscover humanity. Let's go back to basics now. And I think during this pandemic, we felt that people were seeking something more or seeking something better because the same old wasn't going to work for them anymore. And they were kind of revisiting where they wanted to spend their time, how they wanted to spend it. And as you know, many people had more time because they weren't doing the drive to work every day or they were working from home. So that has really accelerated everything we're doing because we've had more interest coming out of the woodwork. We've got more writers coming on board. Uh, so uh, as we said to somebody recently, it's not an occupation, it's an occupation. I love that. I love that. And and I totally agree with you. It's, uh, you know, it's funny. And, and, and thanks for using the term back to basics. I don't know if that was uh, intentional or not, but a lot of people, you know, I've been at it with the, with this podcast for two years now. And uh, especially in pandemic times, people say, wow, how timely that you have a, a, a podcast called Back yeah. to Basics, because it's really about, you know, connection. And, and that's why when I saw your webpage and the work you're doing, through one of your writers that has been on the show, Simon Lever in England, he's been a guest of of mine, fantastic fellow. And um, he was the one actually that made me aware of your work. And, you know, funny you say, go, you know, the the webpage, because that's exactly where I was reading (laughs) right before I started interviewing you. And I'm going to just read a piece of it because I think people would enjoy. We believe that it's time for a renaissance of pure, unbridled wonder. It's time to renew in both our hearts and in our souls more joy, more kindness, more compassion, more understanding. I mean, this is so powerful what what is written here. The time is now to come together as a thriving, conscious community where people are bound together by choice, remaining together because they want to. I think that you definitely on to something and uh, the fact that you, you know, this is obviously when, when you go into your webpage, all the information is going to be on the show notes, but there's so much. I mean, you could really spend, you know, your right. entire month in here. And uh, I totally see your vision and what you describe as to want it to be, you know, it can be a lot of things to many people and you just use and consume the knowledge that is here in whichever way serves you. And and that's very powerful. Well, Simon is a great example of one of the many writers that have joined us that, you know, when we launched, Leticia, we were primarily business. You can tell by the name, Biz Catalyst, because that was my background. So we started with primarily business uh, articles, but then again, listening to our writers and listening to our audience, it took us about three or four years. Where we finally said, wait a minute, we've got some fantastic writers out there. The world's changing around us. And our audience also said, we like your writers. We like what they do. We like the way you present it. We like the fact that there's no advertising, no pop. But on weekends, sometimes we want to read things lighter. So we said, we're going to do an experiment here. We launched a life channel. 
And we would talk a lot of, and we went to our writers and said, if you're one of them, Letitia, you would have gotten us. We would say, Letitia, look, you're a great writer. We know you know a lot about this business stuff. It could be human resources, could be sales and marketing. But since you're a good writer, you must have inspiration on non-business issues. Could be culture, could be life, just could, could be an opinion. Maybe you write, write poetry on the side. I don't know. So we reached out to our writers and boy, did we get an avalanche. So we started shifting the site and it went from business to life, culture, and beyond. And um, now we've got, uh, if, if you said to me, say five, six years ago, how much of your articles, how much of that is business, how much is non-business? I would have said to you probably about 75% was business. Today, it's just the opposite. We get more articles coming in now on things like Simon writes about softer issues. They're business related because one of his recent articles talked about kindness. Well, you can apply that to business. Yep. And, and if any time we need more kindness in businesses right now, more empathy. So there are overlapping subjects where I say it's not a business article, but it is. And when you're rediscovering humanity, we need more humanity and humans in business. So it's an interesting parallel, but it just keeps morphing in itself. And when the fight, when all the writers finally got the message loud and clear that we would publish virtually anything, as long as it's not breaking news, and of course, as long as it's respectful, um, the floodgates just opened up. So that's how we got so many articles published so fast. And uh, today's world and where we all stand and all the lack of control in the pandemic it's just added more to that uh, fire in people's bellies who want to come out of the woodwork and say something through their writing. And wow. That's uh, what's happening. That's amazing. Well, I have to say, you did invite me when on our first exchange, you did invite me to, to write because I, you know, ah. I sometimes write. I haven't accepted. I say, I'm going to talk to Dennis first and then I'll make my decision. <laughs> so I'll make it official. If you still okay. have me, I will right. sign up. Okay. And now, my, wait a minute. We've got you on a recording now. So yes, yes, I will do it. My first article <laughs> that I'll send is called Networking with Heart because it's about oh, everything, you. everything you said. It's something where Perfect. people, in my, in my career, I'm in sales and people say, how is it that you do it, that your customers, you know, become like friends and that we have this strong uh, relationship with some of them, you know, most of them, I like to think. it. And I say, well, you have to network with hard. You never approach them as your customer. You approach them as a human being that you like, that you want to, you know, create a genuine relationship with. And, and then the rest happens by itself, you know, if maybe they buy from you, maybe they don't. But the, at the end of the day, you created a, a genuine connection. Well, and that's at that topic you just mentioned is a rare one. You know, you can talk about sales, but who brings heart into it? Uh, we don't see it. But boy, that's that's the segue. When I say it overlaps, that's how you're bringing, I mean, a softer issue into a challenging process, which is just marvelous. Correct. And so, yeah, you have me on recording. I'll definitely uh, <laughs> join your effort because you've inspired me. So tell me about the becoming Dennis, like getting you here. When you were a child, where are you from? Okay. I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm one of eight children. We're all over the world now. We're all over the country, but we all started in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> and um, when I was 17 years old, we were one of those... Um, middle to low class families that 
because there were so many children, my father did the classic working three jobs. We didn't see much of him. We were at a happy childhood, but there was no thoughts of college. It's just that we just couldn't do it. So I and many of my siblings grew up to leave home and we wanted to find opportunity. And all, all of my brothers and I have four brothers, we all joined the uh, armed forces. I was in the Air Force. And that was the beginning of my story, really. I left Pittsburgh, traveled the world, discovered who I was, and just kind of grew up as you do when you finally get out of the house. And when I came out of the Air Force three or four years later, I was placed by the Air Force into a, they, they used an agency to help people getting discharged, get a job. That's how I got into the finance industry. They placed me in the finance industry in a collection job in Philadelphia. Wasn't my idea, wasn't my aspiration to be in banking, but I started at the lowest level. And without a college degree, I realized that the only way I'm going to progress here is to work harder and longer and volunteer for all those opportunities people just don't want to take. And I did that and ultimately rose through the ranks of the financial services, started running large organizations across the country, and ultimately started opening businesses around the world. And it all started with that entry-level job. Wow. Well, that's powerful because, uh, you know, I know we have people that listen to the show that they are unsure about their career path, younger fellows. You know, I encourage the kids of all my friends, like have them listen because, you know, some of my guests are so inspiring and people think, oh, well, this person did so good because they had a huge career and big yes. university degree. And then you have the people also with the big university degree saying, I got tired of corporate world. I'm doing a nonprofit or volunteer and like complete different paths than what you thought, you know, maybe you were going to do. So it's very empowering, like your own story, like how you, you know, got a different path that some people and, and yet almost are getting to the same endpoint, which is doing something you're passionate about. Well, the ripple effect of what I just said was now in my case, We couldn't afford college, so it kind of forced me to go in that direction. But, you know, what I learned from my father was, you know, work hard and pay your bills on time. Those are the two things I always remember, and they stuck with me. Now, as I started climbing the ranks, because of my own situation, I realized that it wasn't about how many certificates I had on the wall suitable for framing, whether it be master's degree or college or whatever. It was more about how can I get the job done? And where the ripple effect was, as I climbed in the ranks, I stopped doing what many of the my, my uh, peers were doing. For example, if I was hiring people, typically the human resource person would bring in you know, a whole bunch of CVs or resumes. And this is the stack of the people that had bachelor's degrees. These are the people that don't are high school. I would always go for the non-educated first. And they thought I was nuts. But I've learned that interviewing to get the job done for execution, for ethic, work ethic, you're not interviewing because they've got a shiny certificate because there's street sense and then there's school sense and somewhere in between. Doesn't mean I wouldn't hire college graduates, But I wouldn't leave that stack of non-college graduates there to you know, die in the vine, as they say. I would interview a selection of them all and always get the best person. And then my senior managers would start doing the same. So we started shifting some of the culture. But the work ethic I got out of some of these people was absolutely remarkable. And I had no idea that wasn't the plan, but that's the ripple effect of where I came from. 
And that's awesome. And I, I totally, you know, my father is an Italian immigrant that went to Venezuela, no college degree, no nothing. And uh, he created a telecommunications company. And I, you know, wow. I, I always say, how on earth were you into something so technical? You know, but he always say, you know, if I didn't know something, I would find the person that knew it and I would hire them and I would make it happen. Did I hear you say Italian immigrant? Yes. Wonderful. Yes. My father was from Naples. That goes way back with us. Oh, wow. Yeah. I see. With that last name, definitely you cannot hide. <laughs> yeah, and you do look Italian. Yeah, Naples. Yeah, my parents are from Sicily. So oh, nice. not that far from you. Well, nice. not for nothing. I'm going to do a PSA for the Italian immigration immigrant community. Italians are ext an extremely hard worker ah, uh, community. It's amazing. Right. A lot of Italians that left their country, they just work so hard and they're known in the world for that, you know, and yes, it's not yes, many other immigrants too, but uh, I, yeah. I can attest to that. And I think you hit it on the nail with the person, you know, and the, and the passion and what they want to achieve, because I sometimes interview people there in paper perfect, and then you don't see spark. You don't see... exactly. You don't you don't see that willingness to go the extra mile. And and I tell I always tell people, you don't learn that you have that or you don't have it. And uh, and sometimes it's definitely pays off more to have that person that has the hang hunger for, you know, going up and learning that the person that has perfect grade uh, GPA. But then it's just very, you know, let's say doesn't have the passion. Well, what's interesting you say that in today's world. You know, with the pandemic, with people working from home, with office buildings virtually empty, there's a greater need for those soft skills that come from that hard work versus the book knowledge. Like, where do you learn how to be empathetic? You don't get, they don't teach that in college. So you get that from coming into the trenches and working with other people. So I find that some of the managers out there that are struggling the most that we talk to, leaders, um, They're challenged by the fact that they had to come out of their corner office and actually interface with people, whether it be virtually or otherwise, and show some compassion, show some if they know in the past, typically that would be delegated to their director of human resources. So you've got some people struggling, but they, they don't have those in the trenches skills that we're talking about here that have become such a blessing. I talked to some consultants recently that do what we would call soft skills training. And as much as a lot of the small businesses are challenged with business these days in terms of getting it, these consultants can't, I mean, they're slowing it down. They've got so many clients or companies that want to hire them to come in to say, help us understand how do we deal with our people in these situations? Because it's not a classic management skill. It's holding somebody's hand that may be 2,000 miles away and helping them through a project where normally they'd be in the next room. So... Wow. I think you're definitely uh, on the right track. More and more I hear and I've heard other interviews. Uh, Tammy Simon, founder of Sounds True, she talked about conscious business rising. You talk about conscious community. I personally am at a stage in my career where I want to work with people I like. Like I, I get I want to I want my business to thrive and I want to sell. But, you know, sometimes I deal with companies and say I, ha I don't want to get involved because this is not the kind of business relationship I want. 
which is where you are a vendor and you get abused basically by, you know, the customer. And I think there's an awakening of uh, about all those things and people are starting to value more like, okay, we, we value trust. It's a comeback. I say, because my father always tells me one of the things he misses the most and he's 86 and he still works in the business. Every day he goes to the office. He says, during my times, the, the, there was a code of honor. The word was worth something. You showed up for your customer. And he has seen that decline completely oh, where, yeah. you know, customers get lied to and, you know, there's no repercussion to it. You, you try to be truthful. You try to do the right thing. But then, you know, it boils down to price. And there's no, you know, difference whether if you try to do right by your customer or if you lie to them, <laughs> it's just you're going to get measured by the same, you know, uh, price tag, so to speak. So I think that is changing and the pandemic is also helping that because, of course, unfortunately, a lot of companies and people have gotten into trouble because no one expected this kind of economic oh, yeah. situation. I agree. I agree. And it's unfortunate in those situations you're talking about where the customer comes second in many ways, you know, that's where the economics and the desperate need to make money overshadow the well-being or the loyalty to your customer. So uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that you're right because we see that too, but it, it's also an opportunity for people like your father and other people that do business, you can call it the old fashioned way. You can call it the right way. You can call it doing business with integrity. That is such a wonderful marketing opportunity. You know what I mean? You don't have to sell yourself. You're just doing things right. I, on that same note, let me tell you that as we bring on new writers over the years, uh, it's, it's interesting because this is really a, uh, gives us a sense of where the world is. One of the top questions we get from new writers, particularly ones that are used to writing for some of the big publishing houses or for the other publications is, what's the catch? They ask us what the catch is, because I say, look, there's no requirement, there's no restrictions, there's no this, there's no that, there's no cost, there's no surprises. They keep wanting to peel back those layers. Why? Because the world we live in is so skeptical and people think there's always a profit motive or they're gonna write for us for two weeks and then we're gonna send them an invoice or something. Uh, but we've gotten to the point now because we've got so many writers and I'm happy to say if if I spend too much time trying to to defend a positive, as we call it, versus a negative, I'll just say, look, love to have you write for us, but don't talk to me because I'm going to sound like I'm selling you something or the Brooklyn Bridge. Just go talk to any one of our writers. Go to our site. All the writers' names and their contact details are there. Write to them and see if what Dennis is saying is true and satisfy yourself because it is what it is, but that also becomes a real plus for us over time because because we're blessed enough to be able to do it for good versus for profit. Well, I, but isn't it sad that the good has, be, you know, we become suspicious about the good and the goodness <laughs> in other people? Amen. That says a lot about our state of mind as a, as, as a society. As a, when you have to doubt someone that's trying to do good by you, it tells us a lot of the world we're living. So I think the work you're doing is very admirable and I definitely, and there's so much to read in there that uh, <laughs> I say, I, I found very, very inspiring articles. And uh, so Dennis, 
as uh, as we're getting towards the end of the of the interview, I w- I want you to, if you can share with us in those times where maybe you decided to retire and now you're gonna s- do something different and gonna pursue your passion. What was it that you tap into in terms of you know what makes you tick or what you know what what kept you like connected to your true essence and decided to take big steps like probably creating this this initiative. Well, I just think you're, uh, everybody's tested over their lifetime. And we're, my wife and I were just talking about this recently. You know, during the pandemic, Leticia, we've witnessed behaviors by friends, by families, by business colleagues that either pleasantly surprised us or just disappointed us so much. Because, you know, when you take away things, some people say control's been taken away because now you maybe can't travel like you used to. Or if you're in England, for my wife is British, if you're in England, they're in the middle of a really severe lockdown. You literally can't drive down the street without being stopped and said, well, where are you going? Are you a caregiver? So a lot of this control seems to have impacted people's behavior, um, almost like a crisis management behavior. So you define who you really are. Um, I can tell you over my career, I've been tested so many times. And the other bit of advice that I got when I was very young and new into the business world was always do the right thing. And, you know, there's that classic quote that says, you know, do the right thing, even when when no one else is watching, Mm because that's how it really works. And somehow I grabbed onto that and I have been severely tested. But then you get to the point, back to your question, where we came and that, look, We've had such success doing the right thing, both my wife and I, it was time for us to figure out a way to give back. And you know, I can talk about nonprofits, you can write checks, but we're talking about time, talent, and treasure. And now we're using technology. And through BizCatalyst, the main site, you know, we have the opportunity to spread uplifting messages around the world. Well, my goodness, what better thing to do in, in your, um, after you're out of the business world than that. Little did we know how important that would be until this pandemic hit, where, where you know, sometimes the only outlet to the rest of the world for many people is going onto a webpage in the morning. And if they can read some uplifting story or watch some uplifting videos through our new studio, wow, powerful stuff. So that's a long answer to the question, but we're, we just feel so blessed to be able to do what we're doing and say what I'm saying. Um, and uh, we enjoy it. Well, and that's, ladies and gentlemen, why he was a perfect guest for <laughs> this <laughs> podcast. I, I swear, I see, you know, people tell me, where where do you find these, these guests? And I say, well, you know, after a while, you kind of spot them. And it's just the messaging all over your, your work is so aligned with my own messaging and, and the kind of people I like to interview and they say this over and over again. But my goal with this podcast is that everybody out there listening and myself, after this conversation, we face our, our day in a different way because you have mm-hmm. inspired me and, and I know you have inspired our listeners. And when they get familiar with uh, this catalyst, for those of that, that are not, then they're going to say, oh, wow, I've, I've hit a jackpot here because the messaging <laughs> is really uplifting and people that write, they write so many beautiful things. And as Danny says, from all different angles. So it's definitely a big buffet of wisdom and and good writing and good content. So I thank you so much. 
Well, thank you for that. And I can't tell you how much how excited we are to soon be publishing your first article. Well, I, I, com- <laughs> I committed to it and I definitely would love to contribute. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. If not, I'm going call- to call your father if we don't get it. Yes, yes. And, and you know, from from one Napolitan to one Sicilian, be, that, that's risky business. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you, my friend. I'm thank real, you so really much, Dennis. I, uh-huh. Me too. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.